Hello, I'm Sarah James, a lifestyle blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast in the Life Listen Network about two women embarking on a self-care bender. We're both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet it's elusive. And while we may have all the information we need, we don't always get there. We want to explore different aspects of self-care, from the silly to the serious, looking at body, mind, and spirit, and also just some random talk that's thrown in there for good measure. We we also want to look at the defenses and distractions to keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Hey guys, well today we are going to be talking about tips for aging faces and we say that with all the love in the world as both of us are 43 and, <laughs> and dealing with aging faces. We're also going to be talking about the Enneagram Type 8. They are the challengers. and We've got a really interesting conversation with Heidi Weimer, who's a blogger and an Enneagram 8. Um, but first of all, Sarah, what is happening? I saw on Instagram, it was like six degrees for you yesterday. Um, yeah, we've been having these crazy spurts of cold weather. But the crazy thing is, it'll be 60 in two days. It's just people do not understand when I say our Oklahoma's weather is the absolute worst. It really is because it can be <laughs> six degrees one day and literally 65 two days later. And it's it just everyone's sick and it's crazy. Yeah. But I do have something to tell you about that. I think you'll be very, very proud of me. And it was oh, really? all because of you. My inspiration, Kristen. Okay. Howerton. I bought a robe. <laughs> I thought you were going to tell me you saw Hamilton. <laughs> I can't but afford that. But I mean, that. the robe's exciting too. <laughs> I can't afford Hamilton. Um, yes, I got a robe after your after our winter cozy episode. Uh huh. I and immediately and I went on and on about my robes. Yeah, your robes and your blanket and your socks. Um, I started doing research. And you know me, like went down the rabbit hole. Oh, you can't just trust research. my recommendation. You've got to like. Well, of course. It. Well, I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> I am a three with a four wing. I oh, have brother. to be, I have to, you know, be special and get something unique. Of course. It's so what so did you difficult. end up with? So I ended up getting this amazing, super soft Turkish cotton robe from Parachute. Have you heard of Parachute? No. Okay. They're based in California. They do bedding. In fact, our sheets are made by Parachute. And I wasn't actually actively looking for a robe there. I was reading someone's, you know, some random blog post or some magazine article that I came across about robes. And this person, like, I don't know, put in something like 96 hours of research and like tried on all these different robes. And she's like, oh, you're not going to believe this. The best robe is by Parachute, which makes bedding so i'm like you know what and it's 99 dollars. that was that's kinda, not bad no and it comes no, in white and but it comes in like this medium gray it's like the perfect gray Ooh. dark enough so it doesn't look like it's gonna get dirty but it's not too dark but it's totally. gonna look faded so i got it and i love it now i <laughs> i have i've tried a barefoot dreams before and so it it's not since it's turkish cotton it's not quite as like soft you know what I mean? Like, it's not that like super cozy right. material, but it is definitely cozy. But the problem is I am already doing what I said I didn't want to do. It's like, I'm just wearing it around my house. Um, a couple of days ago, 
the UPS guy usually comes later in the day, but for some reason he was bringing something that I had to sign for. And I had on this mask. It was like nine o'clock in the morning. And I had like a like a charcoal mask on my face and my charcoal stupid robe and my house slippers. And I I had to answer it because I had to get this package. And I just mm-hmm. I was so mortified. I just was like, I cannot believe this is my life. And I wear it all the time because it's so cozy. I'll even put it over my clothes clothes. Like when I come home from running yeah. errands, I just put it over oh. my clothes. And it's all your yeah. fault because now I just look like the robe lady. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I see no problem with this. Like you're talking and I'm like, great. That's amazing. So I um, haven't worn it to school yet. I will say I have not worn it to drop off. I will. Literally... Oh gosh, no, that's too far. Too far. Okay. But I, oh, but it's hard because it's cold. It's colder. As my brother-in-law would say, it's colder than a witch's tit. Oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I can't even like, so like I, I, robe, I, I'm looking at it online and it does look really good. We'll link it up at selfiepodcast.com, but I'm super tempted to buy it. But yet I'm like also looking at the back of my door and I have, I have five robes. Yeah. You have too many. Don't buy another. Although I would like to see like the ultimate robe shootout blog post by you. I probably should do that because I do love my barefoot dreams, but I also have the sweatshirt material robe from the Ace Hotel. Ooh, yes. The, does it those? have a hood? Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. I love that robe. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I do too. So different, different moods, you know, change mm-hmm. it up. I mix it up. I have a lid in one. Yeah, mm-hmm. we should do the ultimate robe episode. We're such dorks. Oh, we totally should. We, we should. totally should. Because I'm liking well, this one. Well, now that you d- went down the rabbit hole of research. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like I know a lot, but by the way, that Ace Hotel one was very highly rated across the oh, boards. Yeah. But I can't, I don't like hoods. That was the only kicker that kept me from getting that robe is I don't want a hood because I have really long hair. It just gets all in it. It's just, uh, no, I don't want Yeah, I don't actually ever put the hood on. I don't really, I guess it's a fashion. I don't know. Why do you need a hood on a robe? But seriously, do you really need a, you're not Rocky Balboa. It's no. like, you don't need the stupid hood. And it just, my hair just, even when it's laying down flat, it, my hair just gets all over the place. So yeah. Anyway, enough about my robe, but I just thought I had to tell you that it was all due to your amazing, inspirational comments about your robes so thank well, you i'm excited that i could bring you down a notch in the um houseware thank you yes thank <laughs> now you now you just need to start getting some house dresses well you have we both wear house dresses well yeah oh i oh yeah don't get me started on caftans i mean i have all oh, I of my caftans that i wear around like i'm 1974 dude we really should do an episode on those too on like house dresses like what we- you wear around the house when you don't actually want to get dressed but you don't want to look like you're in the pajamas when ups shows up Right. Or you're like drying your hair and it's all hot or putting on your makeup. You can't wear like a cozy robe because you break out in like hot flashes. A caftan is just allows you to breathe, but you're not naked. Exactly. Do you ever take the kids to school in your PJs? Yes. Well, this is the beautiful thing about cold weather here. It's so freezing. So I'll have my pajamas on and I will just put on a pair of Uggs. I'll put on my puffer coat that goes to my knees. I zip it all the way up and close the belt. And I mean, no one knows I have pajamas on. So that's the totally. crappy thing about summer is that I don't have my big old puffer coat and hat and stuff <laughs> to, to hide, hide myself. But that's when the house dress comes in handy. Yes. You and I, totally. man, we just, we like, we like to be com- comfortable. And I know we're bringing slacking to an art form. Is this episode about robes or is it about aging faces? All right. Let's talk about aging faces. Okay. I mean, I've heard other people have aging faces. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, my face looks 
amazing and I have no wrinkles and no sunspots or anything. So I don't right, know what these people We're just doing this as a favor are. for other people that totally. might have aging things, but we don't really. We don't. We don't oh, have boy. any of those. Oh, I don't, I mean, I don't have dark circles. Bags. Oh, brother. Okay. So now, okay. I just have to preface this with this whole episode. It's going to be like tips for aging faces around at home at home tips not like yes. go get a facelift or get filler or botox if you are wondering about botox go back a couple episodes because we had an episode about botox we sure so, did so i'm not really going into that kind of stuff i'm talking about like things you can do at home or things you can yeah. be cognizant of as you're getting older that kind of deal cool yes all right and we also always want to give the caveat that if you don't give a crap about you know, wrinkles or whatever. Awesome. Oh, we totally. support you. This is, it. you know, some of us are more concerned than others. I personally did not really care until about five years ago when every time I accidentally try to take a photo of myself or someone else that's not selfie mode. And you know, when you see your face like from below and bad lighting. Oh God, it's the worst. And then you're like, why is my old aunt Vi on my camera? <laughs> oh wait, that's me. Those are my jowls. There is nothing worse than that underneath selfie shot on accident oh boy. with the 13 chins. You're just chins. like looking down at your phone because you're going to oh. take a video of a kid and it's in selfie mode and you're like, good Lord. Oh, I know. I'm telling you, it's becoming harder. I am definitely getting the fine lines and wrinkles. You know, I have a little bit of hyperpigmentation because I was not good in the sun. I mean, I was, you know, I born in 1974. Oh, I was like a teenager yeah. in the 80s and 90s. I was baby oil all over your mm -hmm. body while you laid out oh, yeah. all day you know did you ever do the baby oil mixed with iodine oh for god's sake no are you kidding me did you really oh yeah we used oh. to do that like did it give you like that you kind of like orangey like... glow yeah oh my god but i yeah, did the... baby oil i mean you're basically cooking your skin in the sun oh totally <laughs> and i'm trust me i'm paying for it not so much yeah. my face but my chest i mean if we want to really get into oh, aging of anywhere on my body, my chest is a mess. It really is. In fact, I was just at the dermatologist this week because I am breaking out in these massive rashes all over my chest. And I can't, I mean, I've gotten to the point now where I really can't show my chest. And if you notice me or see me, I'm usually always wearing a crew neck or a turtleneck. I very rarely can wear anything that's open because my chest has so much sun damage mm -hmm. and not in the sense of like hyperpigmentation, but just like the skin is so thin and sensitive that. I could look at my, I can look at my chest and it will break out and it's not okay, acne. Sarah, what? Sarah, I have this too. I'm so glad you mentioned this. I know Do we're you? supposed to be talking about faces, but I feel like we can't be the only ones. Like I have a rash on my chest from itching it. Oh, my, it's just. Or, or, or the air. I don't know. <laughs> Seriously. Like and blisters. I went to this. I went to the dermatologist and she's like, well, it could be a lot of different things. And so actually I'm waiting on a biopsy to come back to see what it is because it looks wretched. I mean, it's, it's red, like diffuse redness in these like little bumps that look like they could almost be blisters, but they're not blisters. I mean, it, yep. it's gross. It's super gross. And, same I, thing. and I get them every yeah. month. And by the way, she did want me to start charting when I'm getting them because she thinks it can definitely be hormonally related. I'm like, oh, great. Another oh. thing about perimenopause that's ruining yeah. my life. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So, and like with the chest, well, my first point about the whole tips for anti-aging or aging faces is going to be, I want to talk about massage because it's mm. like awesome for so many reasons. But the creepy thing about it with my chest is that I can't touch my chest. If I were to rub my chest, even with a nice 
you know, organic oil, it would freak out on me. Like I literally yeah. cannot touch my chest. Yeah. Which is so weird. Okay. Enough about my chest, but it's obviously, it's on my mind. It's on my mind lately. Kristen. I don't know. Maybe we need to do an episode on perimenopausal chests. Well, I don't know, but I would love if anyone else is dealing with this in yes. their 40s that has these weird, unexplained rashes on their chest, please leave yes. a comment if you found please. anything to help because I'm finding that I'm trying, I obviously have a lot of stuff at my reach to try and nothing, even like the simplest argan oil will freak it the, yeah. you know what, out. Okay. But getting back to the facial massage, um, a lot of people yes. are like, what? I don't, that's stupid. I don't have time for that. But honestly, it is the best thing for aging skin for many okay, reasons. So I'm trying to picture what this looks like. I don't okay. do this. Facial massage. Facial massage. So first of all, I'm going to tell you right now, and we'll link up to this on selfiepodcast.com. There's, I mean, you just have to go to YouTube and enter facial massage and you'll find a thousand trillion <laughs> videos, but there's a really good one by Lisa Eldridge. I think I might've even referred to this in an earlier episode where she shows her routine and there's really no right or wrong. And it's very easy for like type A types to be like, oh, I need to be doing this the exact way. And, you know, and it's just, it's not, it's, it's not that doesn't have to be that detailed, but essentially just taking your fingers, like the pads of your fingers, and just kind of using circular motions around your face, on your forehead, around your nose. What you're doing is increasing circulation in your skin. And like anytime there's more blood rushing to a certain area, that is actually helping to increase blood flow. It boosts your collagen. Um, it actually helps to drain your lymph because there's a lot of points around the face. So you can actually give right. yourself a little bit of like a lymphatic massage. Uh, the way to do that, I know it's hard to explain when you're not looking at me, but like I take my ring finger and I just kind of do light circles around my eyes, like around the basically starting at where my cheekbones are and then going up over my eyebrow over and over and over and over. And there's no right or wrong way, but essentially what you're doing is you're rushing blood to the surface you want your face to get that nice pink rosy you know effect and the other thing is that it relieves tension so i oh, think totally i think one of the biggest thing about aging faces is that we're all freaking stressed out <laughs> you know what i mean and like think yeah. about it like think about like the expression on your face most of the day oh, my For rusty me, bitch face yeah i got a furrowed brow i'm usually yeah. squinting because my eyes are so bad i was going to bed last night and dustin walked in and he's like do you realize you have two pairs of glasses on i'm like yeah one doesn't work anymore i'm wearing two <laughs> pairs of glasses on top of each other <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh i it's just, I'm, I'm put that right now i'm wearing contacts with readers reading glasses <laughs> oh, from sweet. anthropology so you know i'm squinting i've got a furrowed brow i was thinking about you know, when you're looking at your phone, the way your chin is down and the wrinkles that causes in your neck, mm. you know? So anyway, mm -hmm. massaging your face, you're just, you just want to increase that blood flow. But the cool thing about this is like a really big thing that's happening right now is that people are double cleansing their faces. Have you heard of this? No, that sounds mm. too hard. It, 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 I will tell you it is too hard every day, <laughs> but I do it like, I don't know, two or three times a week. But what why? Is, What's the point? Okay, so and it honestly, it's also for people that are wearing a decent amount of makeup. So mm -hmm. if you if you wear a foundation or um, you have like a heavy tinted moisturizer on, it's just a good way to get your skin 
really, really clean. But the reason I do it is because it is like a two-in-one massage. So essentially, there's these cleansing oils out there. Um, I will actually list like my top two or three on selfiepodcast.com. You put a little bit on your fingers, and then you just kind of massage your face while you're cleansing it. So you're you're getting the massage in while you're actually cleaning your face. So I always like but those. But like, how is rubbing oil on your face cleaning it? It is. It actually is. It breaks up all the dirt. It loosens okay. the debris. You, it's excellent for ma- eye makeup. No, that does make sense. Yeah. So, so right. in, in because reason- I have used ponds for many years. Right. And it's essentially, I get it. It's like it's the oil breaks everything down. That makes sense. Exactly. So it kind of breaks everything up, and that's why you want to do it first. But the cool thing is, is that if you put it on, a lot of these oils have a really good slip to them. So you can, for, you know, two or three minutes, just kind of massage it all around your face, relieve that tension, release those muscles that have been like clenched all day. And then once that's all worked in, you can either rinse that off. Or for me, I just go right into my foaming cleanser while I have the oil still on my face. So I'll pump my favorite foaming cleanser, which is uh, One Love Organics Easy Does It foaming face cleanser. I think I've talked about it 18 times on these episodes because it's the best thing ever. But then I just, and that's just like, you know, your typical foamy, bubbly, gets all of your mascara off. And I just put that on top of it and then rinse everything away. And it's like your face has never felt cleaner, cleaner, cleaner. However, if it's in the dead of winter, you don't have to do the second step. Just do a cleansing oil. And then when you're Mm. done rubbing it all in, take a warm washcloth and remove it off your face. And it will actually kind of leave your face feeling hydrated and plump because of the oil so that's a really good option for dry faces what about um i I do have to say i know i should be for an aging face well at any point wearing an spf on the daily i often don't do you (sighs) i'm gonna be honest i don't now why not why um, don't you because i don't spend that much time outside honestly. Yeah. Um, That's what I often feel like. And then it's like, do I really want to put this extra thing on my face mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that, cause I have sensitive skin that could, you know, cause an issue. Yeah, totally. Ugh. I feel the same way. Now in the summer, I usually do because in the summer, um, my parents have a pool. We always bring our kids over and I am outside a lot in the summer. And mm-hmm. I, I actually not only put on sunscreen, but I wear a hat all the time yeah. in the summer. But in the winter, I just feel like I'm not outside, especially in Oklahoma where it's freezing. I am not outside. And my car windows are tinted very darkly. So because you can definitely do damage on your face by driving. Um, Mm -hmm. Some of those rays get straight through that glass. And if you, I don't know if you ever looked, but my left side of my, most people's left side of their face has more hyperpigmentation than the right because of driving. And mine totally does. So um, since I have the dark tint on my windows, I don't really worry about it that much. However, I do have some tinted moisturizers that I really enjoy using regardless that do have SPF. So sometimes I'll use that. But like you said, I just don't, I don't want to put anything on my face that I just don't feel like necessary. You know, I don't want to add an extra step. I know. In the summer, I do often try to use it more you know, and then when I do, what do you use? I usually use the um, drunk elephant. Yeah. Sheer defense because it is, it's a barrier rather than a chemical, you know, yes. so it's, it's the zinc oxide that's, that's putting the sun off rather than chemicals. Yes. I have definitely used that in the past. My go-to is by Suntegrity, which I really enjoy. Although that can, um, 
I mean, it borderline, I mean, that's definitely like a pool, a beach one. You know, I feel like it can borderline feeling a little bit greasy on the face, mm-hmm. but I do feel really protected. But um, Hint Beauty also makes like this, it's a primer. It's a makeup primer with SPF, but it feels more like a thin, milky primer. And oh, that's, that, nice. that's a great one for the summer underneath the makeup or whatever. But in the summer, I really do try to choose tinted moisturizers that have SPF. So it's like double whammy. Yeah, totally. So yeah, the double cleansing, the massage, I think that's super important. Um, exfoliating is huge. Yeah. Huge, huge, huge. You should be exfoliating your face two to three times a week. Um, and you know, well, there's, there's, there's two ways to exfoliate. Right. You know, you can use a, more of a physical exfoliator and that's the you know the those are the cleansers that have a little grit in it or little grains right um or you can exfoliate via um putting chemicals on your face yes <laughs> which sounds so um you you compare those two and it sounds like chemicals would be so much harsher but in actuality uh-huh. it's the opposite right so physical you know, that's like your old school stuff, like the stuff that you used to buy at the grocery store you buy now that's got like the, the grit all in it. smelling scrub yeah. that we all used in the 80s. Totally, totally. A lot of the organic brands now use um, like very finely crushed walnut shells. Uh-huh. That's, that's very popular. But what they're finding is even when they're really finely crushed like that, they can create little micro tears in the skin. And it's nothing to be scared about, but... um it can actually um, be a little too harsh. So most people have kind of switched over to chemical. And by chemical, it doesn't mean like some synthetic chemical. It's just a chemical and or a different kind of like natural acid on your face. So usually the two types are the alpha hydroxy acids and the beta hydroxy acids. And the alpha hydroxies are kind of, they're water soluble. They don't they can't penetrate really deeply into the pores, but they're great. They're great. Um, but the betas, they go like, they're oil soluble. They go deeper into the dermis and they're really good for people with acne, cystic situations in the face. Um, those- yeah. And I think, you know, for those, for those listeners who like myself, may be blessed with both wrinkles and acne at the same time. Um, the a a HAs and BHAs are a great solution when you've got that kind of combo problem skin, but you don't necessarily want to dry your skin out with some of the products we used to use in the 80s, like benzoyl peroxide. Exactly. Um, you know, so um, these are really, really good solutions for people who have combo skin. Exactly. And it's all about the percentage. You know, if you have pretty sensitive skin, you can go with one that has a lesser amount of these acids in it. Also, fruit enzymes are awesome for sensitive skin, like papaya and pineapple. Those naturally help exfoliate and slough off the dead skin cells. The only thing with that is you have to use them rather quickly because the fruit enzymes can become unstable over time. So, um, but there's, there's such a wide range and we should definitely put our favorite exfoliators um, in the show notes. Because I, I will. And I, in fact, I'm going to list um, different price ranges as well, because I know like I really like Drunk Elephant, but it's a little pricey. But then I found that Super 6 Serum um, that is like 
under $12 that is basically the same thing. So we'll list a bunch of those on sylviepodcast.com. Yeah, definitely. And a really good one that's really inexpensive just off the top of my head is by a cure. They have one. Uh, yeah. The brightening scrub. It's great. Yes. It's great. I mean, I feel like I could use that almost every day. Um, yeah. I really like that one. It's so gentle. yeah, we'll put a list of those for sure. So you guys can see what some of our favorites are. But I, I just feel like just that for me, just uh-huh. being sure that I'm on the ball about exfoliating my face and that once in a while, I just take the time to, to rub it, you know, to like get the blood flowing in it. Yeah. I think it's been tremendously helpful. And, you know, just basic lifestyle things like drink enough water. Oh gosh. It's so hard. It is. It's so true. It's so so true. true. Everyone should be drinking at least half their body weight in ounces every day of water. And I know it's hard. And for me, it's not even like I prefer anything else. I just, I think I'm a camel or something. I just, I don't drink liquid during the day. It's like, I forget. Um, I forget too. And then I get really thirsty at night. I end up drinking a ton of water at night, which tells me I'm not getting enough during the day. Exactly. So that's, that's, remember when we talked about our favorite winter stuff and I talked about my Yeti. When I'm consecutively, like consistently drinking from my Yeti, I do better because I just fill it up with water, drink it when it's, you know, empty. I fill it up again. I try to drink four in a day opposed to like just getting a glass of water. I kind of will drink half of it and then I'll leave it. And then literally by the end of the night, I'll have six glasses around the house that are half half full of water. (laughs) That's really smart. And I mean, I have friends who carry around those like giant liter bottles just so that they fill it up in the morning and, and know they have to finish it by the end of the day. Yeah. Yeah, not I mean, a bad you gotta idea. do what you gotta do. You gotta do exactly. I mean, but I, I will just say around my house. Yeah, when I'm when I'm drinking more water, it is visible in my face. Oh, I strongly everything. believe that. And totally. people people can be like, "Oh, where's the scientific data?" I don't care. The scientific data is what my face looks like, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> you know, like that's yeah, that's what I know. So drinking water and also just stress. I mean, unfortunately, that's the number one trigger for aging your body not just your face is stress it's just like trying to keep the stress level down or you know everyone's going to be stressed we've got a lot of stuff going on but you know just trying to like whether it's meditation or exercise or whatever Mm -hmm. trying to reduce that so one of the things that i've seen people talking about too is dry brushing yeah that's just a different way of it's both it's kind of a both and because it's exfoliating But it also, similar to massage, is getting the blood flow, the lymphatic drainage happening. Um, And dry brushing is simple and it's inexpensive. I mean, you can get a good dry brush off Amazon for under $12. And, you know, you can brush from head to toe. And there are people that believe doing this is like, you know, helps with sensory issues, helps with, you know, all kinds of health issues. Um, but even if it didn't do any of that, it is great for your skin. And there's, you know, a way you can do it in a certain direction that kind of helps right. with that lymphatic drainage. So not only right. is it boosting circulation and exfoliating, but it really helps with your immune system. It's pretty yes. crazy. All of the benefits with it, why yeah. it's so impossible for me to just do that right before I get the shower, since the brush is well, sitting right next to the shower. I don't know. Don't know why. Yeah. It's just, you know, usually when we're getting in the shower, we've got somewhere to go. And so the thought of like taking an extra step. Yeah, I get it. It's hard. I, 
I know, I know. But that that is another. That's great. And they actually make little facial brushes too. Ooh, I didn't know that. That look exactly like the big dry brush, but you can do it on your face. Oh, sweet Malou actually gave me one for Christmas. Oh, that's super cute. Have I used it? No. But maybe, <laughs> maybe I will. Maybe I will. Well, speaking of things that you have or haven't used, and one of the things we've talked about previously that people do for aging faces is shaving their face. Yes. We talked about this. We linked up those tinkle razors that people use on selfiepodcast.com. You guys bought a lot of them. <laughs> like... People bought a lot of them. So we want we want to hear back from you guys who decided to try face shaving. Sarah, I know you bought them. Did you actually use them ever? What do you think? I think you didn't. No, I didn't. (laughs) (laughs) You're such a dork. This is our personality difference. You haven't used yours yet. Mine came in the mail from Amazon. And like the minute I got them in the middle of my work day, I I went and used them. I know it's called like too much. It's like research paralysis is what I I'd like to coin. Were you still looking for that one article that was going to give you the yes or no? Yeah, probably, probably. (laughs) I know, but no, I haven't done it. But in terms of anti-aging, you know, that's why they say men, their faces look better than women as they age because they've been shaving because that, that action of shaving exfoliates, like really exfoliates. Yeah, but absolutely. I haven't done it yet. Maybe I will. I don't know. It's on, well, it's on I my list. I have not noticed a huge difference in the way my skin looks. Really? Um, but I will say it sure does take off all the extra hair. I know. Which would allow you to like your serums and everything to penetrate better that you're using well, to I keep know. your... That's what they say too. Yeah. That you should, you, you know, just kind of shave. And, and we're not talking like, you know, you don't want to take off all the peach fuzz, but just shaving the skin under your eyes. Um, is, you know, supposedly takes off all the dead skin cells more effective than any of the other stuff we've talked about. I know. That, I mean, that's what they say. That's and what they maybe say. I'll try it. We want to hear from all of you that yes. bought Tinkle Razors. Yes. Did you use the Tinkle Razors? And do you agree that's the most ridiculous name ever? It's the worst tinkle? name ever. Where are my Tinkle Razors? It's so weird. And they're like, they're kind of hideous too. They're like weird pastel colors. It's a little bit. They're cheap. Yeah, it's, it's it's a little bit cheesy. A little bit cheesy over there, Tinkle. A little bit. Um, what else? Ooh, 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 ooh. I got a good one. I know everyone, I, I feel like the number one question asked to me seriously is, what's your favorite eye cream? What's your favorite eye cream? Yes. And I haven't used an eye cream up until this year because I thought they were stupid. I'm like, I don't understand. It's all the same skin. I'm just going to put whatever on my, underneath my eyes. But then I realized, okay, I see what you're talking about. But um, eye creams are great, la, la, la. But if you have an eye cream, that you like and you use, put it around your lips at night because it oh, helps. like for the, for the yes. little smoker wrinkles. Yes. Oh. Yes. And I'm telling you it works. It softens those tiny little wrinkles. We're all getting in our older age and it's fantastic. And I never, it's like eye cream. I never seem to get to the bottom of a pot on, um, and I have a serum that I actually use. I have like a rollerball that I use on my eyes, which I think we talked about in one of the previous um, podcasts about our evening skincare, which you can check that out because I have that all linked on selfiepodcast.com. But um, I do have this other eye cream that's kind of like in a little pot and I have it right next to my bed. And last thing I do before I fall asleep is I just put it all around. Like oh. you don't have to even put it on your lips so much, but just around 
like where the lip That's meets smart, the skin. having it right by the bed. I would yeah. not have thought of that, but that yeah, makes yeah, yeah. total sense. And it's really working. I'm, I'm not lying. It has really softened them. And I feel like my lipstick isn't bleeding. Um, I don't right. really have a huge bleeding problem with lipstick, but I do have this deep one deeper wrinkle and my lipstick kind of always starts because I you know I wear really bright lipstick and it always seems to kind of creep in there and it hasn't been doing as much. I'm, I'm attributing it to the eye cream on my lips. Oh, that's really cool. I'm totally going to start doing that because I've been wondering, you don't see a lot of products for those wrinkles, but those bother me more than my eyes. Totally. Personally. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Like eye, eye wrinkles, I kind of don't care. I mean, maybe I will in the future. Um, I kind of don't care so much because yeah. I just feel like, yeah, if I look my age, whatever. But there's something about those lip wrinkles that just make, I don't know. I don't love that look. I do not love it either. And for someone like me who wears really vibrant lipsticks, that can be really problematic when you start having yeah. lip wrinkles. And I, totally. I refuse to stop wearing bright lipstick. It's like my favorite thing ever. <laughs> I, will, I will go to my grave with like deep, magenta lips do it all right all right so now it's time to move on to enneagram eight enneagram eight this is such a fascinating one for me because i've talked about the fact that i'm a three but i am one point away from being an eight you are i am i have a lot of eight tendencies and quality qualities and this one really resonates with me a ton. Interesting. You know, my husband, Dustin's an eight. I can totally see that. Yes. And I will tell you something. Uh, I feel like I'm saying this every time. I'm like, the Enneagram, the Enneagram. But I have learned things now knowing that he's an eight and kind of studying that type. I have realized things about our 17-year relationship. Things have come to me that oh, I'm totally. like, oh my gosh, I get this now. For 17 years, I didn't mm -hmm. get why. I always felt like he was, kind, by the way, eight's a challenger. Eight is the challenger. And, yes. um, you know, with Dustin, he, he, he does. Almost anything I bring up to him, he's always kind of talking about the other side, kind of yes. like pushing back. And for, I mean, for over a decade, I always thought, why is he doing this? Like, why does he want to be not so much argumentative? Because it's not argumentative, but I'm like, why does he always feel the need to debate everything? That's really, it really bothered me. And what I found or read about eights is that, that that's their way of connecting by, yeah. by pushing back as a way for them to engage with people. And just learning that simple thing mm -hmm. right there, I'm like, it has totally changed the way we communicate. It's fascinating. Oh, absolutely. Isn't it so fascinating? Because you're right. They are. They want to connect. Eights love a healthy debate. Yes. Eights feel closer to other people when you're pushing back, you're exploring. Confrontation is fine. And even they get a little excitable with confrontation. Yes. They're self-confident. They're very decisive, but they're also willful. Yes. Yes. <laughs> they can definitely, definitely be willful, but it's yeah. just and dominating. It's, I mean, they, you know, when you get in a room, um, like for example, I was at a social justice conference a couple of weeks back. It was all invited leaders. It was a small group, but you could tell the eights in the room because they were the ones that jumped in that, you know, well, what about this? And I don't like that, you know, in, in their positive, they can really bring about amazing change especially social change there they can be justice champions but at their worst they can just be annoying <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the truth that really is a healthy eight can make 
huge, huge change in the world. So who do we have set up for our interview today? So we are going to chat with my friend Heidi Weimer. She is a blogger. She's a mom of eight. I'm sorry. She's a mom of 11 kids. What? Many wow. of them adopted. She is, she's that example of a healthy eight because she champions for social justice, for adoption, for kids' rights. Um, she's very involved in politics, as many eights are. She's bold. She's not afraid of, you know, making waves. Um, and so, yeah, we're going to chat with her. So today we're going to chat with my friend Heidi, and she is an Enneagram 8. Um, Heidi is a mom of many. Heidi, how many kids do you have? We have 11 kids in all. Seven of them were adopted from Ethiopia. So Heidi and I met in adoption circles. She's also a writer. And your website is what? Outofshemind.com. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So you are one of the first bloggers I ever read. Do you know that? Yeah, I remember from back in like, my gosh, it was probably 2008, 2007. Yeah, and that? I think we yeah. met before we, either of us had adopted. We were kind of in, in process. Right, yes. And here you yeah. are now with 11 kids and you're, you're going to law school. Um, yeah, so we just moved from Nashville to Washington, D.C., and I just turned 40, so obviously the logical step next would be to uh, apply to law school. So Yeah, I'll be that's starting... what every mom of 11 should do. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'll be starting next fall. I'm just waiting to hear back um, from some of my applications. So that's kind of where I am now. Awesome. Well, we, um, Sarah and I just chatted a little bit about what the Enneagram 8 looks like. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I'm a three, but I am very closely followed by seven and eight. And I absolutely resonate with the eight personality. Um, and actually, for a long time, I thought I was an eight because I mm -hmm. can lean into that. Um, but Heidi, I was not the least bit surprised to find out that you were an eight because you've <laughs> always been such a staunch advocate. Mm -hmm. Were you yeah, surprised? Um. No, and actually, I didn't find out about the Enneagram until probably, I guess, a little over two years ago. And it was kind of interesting, my introduction to it. Um, we were in um, an up-and-coming evangelical church, and they were you know, um, using all the right buzzwords. They sounded more progressive, so I thought, great, this is a place where I'll get to use my gift. And I kept getting shut down, and so the pastor that kept shutting me down, he told me one day... Um, what Enneagram number are you? And I had never even heard of it. And so he said, I bet you're an eight. You're definitely an eight. And um, then he told me that his wife calls um, Enneagram eight. He calls, she calls them eight holes. So wow. um, I knew there was like a negative connotation, especially as a woman. And I, over the next few months, as I started reading about the Enneagram and um, doing the tests and reading more about um, being an eight, it definitely resonated with me um it was being used more as a weapon against me right whereas for other people it was being used as oh this tool to unlocking who you are in the circle of uh especially male pastors at the church i was at and just in the evangelical circles it was used as a weapon like she's an eight mm -hmm. and so she's an eight dismiss would, her she's just yes and anytime confrontational I would, or dramatic exactly. or... yeah so when i would bring something to their attention or it's anything that was like something really small, just 
suggesting something or want, you know, wanting to be used in some way in um, a ministry, they would, he, this, this one particular man would quickly dismiss it as, well, I know how, you know, I know how you react. I was just reading up on AIDS again. And, and doesn't this resonate with you? And really using it to dismiss me and shut me down. And I, wow. so it took me, I had to kind of detox from the Enneagram for a few months as we stepped away from that church before I could dive back in and embrace who I was mm-hmm. because there was so much negative um, like weaponry attached to it. Yeah. There can be a lot of judgments around eight, um, you know, just because they, they are challengers. They are the people um, who will speak up for injustice. They will speak up when they mm-hmm. feel like things are not right. Um, they will challenge the status quo. And unfortunately, there's a whole lot of judgment for women eights. Have you right. found that to be true? Absolutely. And even before I knew anything about the Enneagram, I've experienced this my entire life from the time I was a little right. girl. Um, right. Because you know, for, for, for me, it, it's like breathing, speaking. You know, or when I look around and I see injustice, of course I'm going to speak up about it. And I've always felt like, um, a passion for justice runs through my veins. So how could I yeah. not do it? And so it just, it's like second nature to me. So it, it often feels like, especially as a female, that you're being punished for who you are mm-hmm. and all of the words that are used to describe an eight, um, brave and a leader and strong and powerful. None of those are terms that are considered positives for women. Um, I think that's, starting to change a little tiny bit, but for the most part, especially in Christian circles, those are not terms that a woman typically aspires to be. And if you are any of those, you were taught early on to shut that down or, or at least cover it up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's even more so true for those of us raised in evangelical circles, mm-hmm. especially if our brand of theology growing up was that women should be submissive, you know, that, um, you know, that there's this complementarianism where women are really a helpmate, you know? Right. Um, some of that toxic theology of um, women being subservient to men and eight is super problematic in those circles. Absolutely. Right. And I think that I've always been really genuine about my Christian faith and from the time I was really young. And so it was always very conflicting and confusing to me why would God make me this way, but that it's unacceptable in Christian circles? And even to you know, being told that it's not godly to be this way. And it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not my role as a woman who's a Christian. And I, I remember asking so many times along the years, why would God make me this way if I wasn't supposed to live it out within, you know, in my, with my faith? And, you know, I would sometimes be told, well, that's just the thorn in your side that you have to you know, deal with throughout your life and and just even um you know my husband and I would always kind of joke and roll our eyes anytime it was going to be mother's day in um one of our evangelical churches because i i mean the, i got to the point where i quit going on mother's day because the last time i went and it was just typical they would bring certain women to the platform to praise them and revere them and talk about what being a mom likes and it was always these quiet demure women who would literally share about how they, you know, stayed home and baked cookies for their kids. And that just wasn't me. And so I was always, you know, punished and made to feel shame for being who I was. And the men of these evangelical churches, especially, there's often a lot of, I think, I mean, I think it's male ego there. And 
they, like you said, they don't know what to do with this theology they have where a woman should be inferior when they see a woman who is not naturally inferior. And I'd be told, I would be told by these pastors, oh, you're so gifted. You're so brilliant. You're so this, but then they would not use me for anything in the church whatsoever. Yeah. And then they would, they would use men who didn't have leadership skills or men who weren't really qualified, who were 15 years younger than me, had no life experience. But they and they would recognize my gifts, but they wouldn't use them because it went against their theology. Absolutely. And I think, you know, even for people who are outside of Christian circles, I think we are socialized um, just in our environment that a female who has eight qualities, um, that self-confidence, that assertion, that, you know, challenging ambitiousness, those qualities in a female can often be synonymous culturally, um, especially in America with bitchiness with you know we have these words that describe females who are assertive that where there's not a male counterpoint it's like these tend to be seen as male qualities exactly and so it's I mean it's something that I've definitely experienced like you said not just in the church but just in the world Mm -hmm. um I'd be sitting around the table or sitting in a circle with other men and I could be offering up the same ideas or the same kind of challenging thoughts or um, the same kind of inspiration, so to speak. And yeah, or, or challenging something. And I'm mm-hmm. looked at for, like as a bitch, whereas a man who would, do, would be doing those same things is looked at as powerful and such a great leader and a strong yeah. person. And, and the only difference is gender. So there's a lot of negative connotation for women eights, but how have you sort of embraced this and how have you come to see it as a positive in your own life? Yeah. So I will say first that it's taken me time. Um, I've always been comfortable with who I am and embraced who I am. I was always individualistic, which goes along with being an, I guess, I guess that's a good thing is that we're usually pretty secure in who we are, but it's been a lonely journey. Um, especially growing up in um, the Bible Belt and in the buckle of the Bible Belt, it's been pretty lonely and living in the South. So um, moving to a um, an international city like Washington, D.C. has been pretty refreshing. Even the church yeah, is here. It's a bit of a different mindset. Um, and in fact, one of the pastors at our church, um, she is a an Enneagram 8, so we have bonded over that. But... Um, yeah, I, I just think that, um, especially over the last 10 years, I guess, and I think part of it is age through my 30s, just kind of figuring out who I am, um, embrace, learning to embrace it instead of fighting it. And um, for me, I think that I just kind of got tired as I approached 40. I got tired of fighting with people who wouldn't allow me to use my gifts and allow me mm-hmm. to be me. And so I just, you know, I've just, I've always had a mindset that life is short and we have to grab it by the horns. And so I've always felt like these are power games. And I think just the older I got, the more tired I got of playing these power games with people because I don't play power games well. (laughs) And, um, you know, just to really embrace, I think, like I said, I think it happens for women in their upper thirties when we start to figure out who we are. Kids are getting a little bit older. If we have kids, um, we, we can start to see what we're really made to do. And um, just weighing out 
yes, if I embrace who I am, it means I might be a little bit lonelier. It means I might not be as accepted as someone else. But the flip side of that is I look at the people who we really admire in history and in, in today. And these are people, like, if you look at the women, these are people who rocked boats. And these are people who weren't afraid to, to lead and to be strong and bold and courageous. And so I've just kind of taken a bigger picture look at what do I want my life to be like? Do I want to keep on fighting with who I am? Or do I want to just brace who I am? And make the impact and you know, rock the boats that I want to, that I feel called to rock, um, knowing that it's going to cost me something. But um, yeah, and you know what's interesting, Heidi, is when I mean honestly, when I think of you, um, the things that come to mind are I I remember distinctly. I mean, ten, twelve years ago, and I know you know for people outside of Christian circles, this may not resonate, but you were one of the voices. Um, that was really challenging this marriage of the evangelicals to the mm-hmm. Republican Party. And you were really pushing out as a liberal yeah. well before it, it became a little more yes. popular for Christians to do so. I remember that about you. Um, mm-hmm. I remember your advocacy for adoption um, and ethics around adoption. Mm-hmm. I feel like your voice has been so critical for me and so inspiring for me as a person to really think outside of the box. And I think it has been for so many other people. And to me, that's really where your eight is such an asset because you, you, and then your boldness too, you know, that Mm -hmm. in in addition to thinking this way, you know, on your blog and in, in, um, you know, your speaking and writing, you've been able to be so bold and it's just, it's really refreshing and challenging in a good way. Well, thank you for that. That's, that's really humbling. It's um, something that just reminded me of something that has kept me going, I guess, over the years. Um, because I remember the first time speaking out against um, the religious right, so to speak. Um, I, was, I was 14 years old, and it was when I was in the eighth grade, and it was when um, Bill Clinton was first elected. And I went to church the day after that, and my youth pastor said to me, why are you so happy? Christians should be mourning today. And I was, I was stunned. I mean, I knew most people, this mm. was in the buckle of the Bible Belt. I knew most people weren't, most Christians at least weren't left-leaning, but I was just stunned that it was that polarizing. And so I, I you know, had my little miniature debates with Christians, adults and, you know, teenagers early on through my teens. And, um, but along the way, hearing people say, you know, you, you made me think, or your voice matters, please don't stop speaking. And it's interesting because I often will hear that from people who are not at all outspoken. They're, they're, they don't ever speak out. But I think that with an eight, and I think um, especially with a female eight, women who want to use their voice but don't know how, or maybe they're not wired to be as bold, they find some comfort. And um, maybe they find it, like you said, a little refreshing to hear someone who does speak out. So just along the way, that kind of feedback that can keep me going um, that I hear from time to time, like, thank you for speaking out. I'll just get little private messages here and there from people saying that um, because for so long, the feedback was so negative and, you know, I would just, as strong as I, you know, I am, I would just kind of crumble into a heap of tears being shut down, just feeling so unacceptable to others. And well, and I think um, that that's a, a good point about eights too is I think that there is a perception that eights don't have feelings. 
Absolutely. That, you know, and I have certainly leaned into my eight online. You know, I, I definitely, mm-hmm. like you, I, I write and challenge and I can be confrontational online. I'm, I'm not afraid to, you know, push back. And I, right. I've actually had people say to me like, wow, you know, people really see you as a bulldog or they really, or even mm-hmm. closer friends have said, you know, I don't think people really see that you're like a human, <laughs> you yes. know, like a human yes. with, with soft and tender spots. Right. Um, but the reality is eights oftentimes are also empaths with deep mm-hmm. feelings. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, that's, um, that's always been until I learned more about about the Enneagram and just more about who I am. Um, that's something that was always so confusing to me was really feeling like people don't treat me like I'm an actual human being, that I'm a real person with yeah. real feelings. And that, um, and then also putting that, um, this assumption that a person who is an eight, especially a female eight, that, um, that they're not tenderhearted, that they're not compassionate, but it's, it was always so confusing to me because those are the very feelings inside of me that drive yeah. me. It's a yeah. deep compassion and Driven it's a very compassion. intense compassion. Yeah. Uh-huh. An intense empathy for others. That's what led us to adopt. Yes. And that's what, yes. why we have 11 kids and, yeah. but just this deep empathy. And so I would just be broken down to tears back in my twenties and early thirties when, um, especially in Christian circles, um, but just when anyone extended family or um, friends would have this assumption about me that I'm not compassionate and I'm not tenderhearted. And it's, I think it's an eight, especially a female. I just, I think it's the most misunderstood and most, um, I think so like too. The, the least accepted as far if, if you're a woman. Yeah. And I have found, you know, that a part of it too, is that I have to be mindful and careful that I show my vulnerable side. And that mm-hmm. is a trait of eights. You know, one of the fear of eights is, is being controlled by other people. And our, yes. our deep desire is to protect ourselves. And so, you know, it can be a struggle to be vulnerable and to show that tender side because we, we tend to put our hard exterior shell out first. So I have right. really had to shift into showing my vulnerability so that people do see me as a full and whole and a complete person um, so that I'm not leading with confrontation all the time. Right. And that's something that's been challenging for me. And even, um, even as I get older, I was just telling my husband the other night, I think that's always going to be something that is going to challenge me. Um, walking that, that line of being my authentic self, but showing this vulnerable side of myself that, um, the people who are closest to me, you know, my husband and my couple of closest best friends, they see that side of me when we're having like a deep conversation about something, they see that side of me, but it's hard for me to show that side, um, even to some of my kids sometimes, because I have so many kids with difficult backgrounds. Um, it's hard sometimes to be that vulnerable instead of being this stoic, yeah. strong figure, right. um, because it makes you, it makes you feel weak. And so yeah. it's, it's hard to show that. And I feel like that's just a, um, a tightrope walk that I'm going to have to live out, um, hopefully getting better as I go. But, um, yeah, but it's interesting because I've always said that, um, when people can feel like I, I'm blowing them away, um, 
that it's too intense, it's too much, and I'm just blowing them away. I'm not showing mercy. And um, mercy mm. is mercy is not my. Whenever they do those spiritual gift surveys in church, I get like that's, <laughs> that's like the, the lowest. <laughs> no, it's at the very bottom, and that's yeah. number one for my husband. So we balance uh. each other. But um, yeah, but I always want to say like, how how do you think I'm blowing you away? I'm like toning down ninety five percent of what I'm really feeling. You know, like the, I'm toning down the intensity for you, so I don't blow you away. So it's just you know to be aware of how. I come across, I can come across to others. Um, it's something that I, I feel like I'm getting better at. And, you know, you kind of learn by along the way as you get some pushback. And I've had to think about, okay, well, I got pushback from this kind of person, but that's okay because that person needs to feel offended, you know, whereas this person is pushing back against me and that's because they misunderstand me and I want them to understand me. So just kind of balancing that out bouncing it out and thinking about who your audience is, who you're in relationship with. Um, but it's definitely, I, I mean, it's definitely an ongoing daily challenge for me to show that softer side. It's, it's a huge challenge. Yeah. We've touched on this a little bit, but you know, if, if you could speak to everyone about being an aide and wh- like, what's the one thing you wish people understood about AIDS? Um, I think especially for, I mean, and this would be, I guess, speaking more to a healthy eight because an unhealthy eight would be like a Joseph Stalin or an Adolf Hitler or our current president. But think of for a yes, healthy eight. Donald Trump is an eight. Yes. But so is yeah. Martin Luther King. So yeah, Exactly. Yes. We just <laughs> talked about this yesterday. Yeah. And so, but it really shows you how I feel like more than any other Enneagram number to be effective in your, um, with your innate personality, with who you are. An eight really, really has to work hard to harness it and to be healthy. And I, I mean, I've found that the more self-work I do, whether it's through therapy or through you know, just reading books or just you know, feed, feedback from friends or, or from my husband, Kirk, the more work I do, the more effective I am as an eight. And you learn to kind of harness your power and really recognize who you are. But I think I, what I wish people knew just, from me about an eight is that and the eights I've met are deeply, deeply caring people. And even if we come across as larger than life or loud or mm-hmm. or too much too much so to speak, too powerful or too honest, um, the second that person is um oppressed or hurt in some way or put down by someone else, we'll be the first people there to fight for them and we'll fight for the to the finish for them and um yes yeah and eight care, is a good friend deeply. to have your back <laughs> yeah like loyalty I, like that's the thing I, mama bear yeah right and just a loyalty but a deep deep caring and just to know that it's it's a struggle like we're constantly trying to harness it without diminishing who we are and that's yeah. a, a fine line to walk sometimes yeah it sure is well last question for you what is, you know, and you, you touched on this a bit, but what does unhealthy look for you in an eight and what does healthy look like? And, and how are you working on yourself to be that healthy eight as opposed to the mm-hmm. unhealthy eight? <laughs> um, you should probably ask my, my family. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I would say an unhealthy eight is like, um, what's the expression like a, a bull in a china shop um yeah. just 
running through and um and I feel like sometimes or in my unhealthier moments or in my unhealthier past I could come across that way um in my home or even online and when we're talking about some kind of um social justice issue um just kind of a lack of control um just unleashing all this power it's kind of like a tsunami just this torrential force coming through and maybe lacking discernment too just like broad brush like gonna crash everything burn it all down yes absolutely yeah like everyone should just listen to me because i like yeah and just um yeah just shut it all down and yeah very general um intense broad stroke um but i think um I think a healthy eight, um, and I think some of this comes with just age as you live in the world and kind of figure out who you are, um, is more bridled. And I don't really even like that word because even just saying yeah. it, I feel like, oh, something's controlling me. Well, okay, maybe but, discerning is a better word. Yeah, just like, you know, you're not losing your your power. I like My mom used to talk to me about, it wasn't about the Enneagram or anything, but just talking about, um, she's obsessed with horses and she would talk about wild mustangs and how they're wild and unbridled that they have all this power but if that can be bridled and um, you know, kind of controlled a bit then the power that that mustang has is, is, you know, is a force to reckon with and so I think a healthy eight they know who they are but they also know how to use who they are um, because an eight wants to make change in the world. An eight wants to rock the boats. And a healthy eight will find ways to do that that's actually more effective than just running through and knocking everybody down. But it takes a lot of self-discipline. It's daily. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I think discipline is is the reality for all of the Enneagram types. It, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's learning to be disciplined. It's learning to be mindful and insightful, knowing yourself, you know, when to rein it in and when to. Right. Well, Heidi, this was so good to talk to you. And I just, I appreciate it so much. Um, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Okay. What a fascinating interview. I am just loving these Enneagram interviews. Me too. And we have one left we you know we just did eight next week we're going to do nine and that's going to conclude our enneagram series dang that was a series so next week are you ready kristen we are talking about some big stuff we are <laughs> the instant pot we are going we are going deep into the instapot well, actually, we'll, we'll, we'll solve, first off, whether or not it's Instapot or Instapot. <laughs> Burning questions. <laughs> and we we'll are spend also, about a half hour on that yeah, debate. We're just going to talk about that. So, yeah, we'll be talking about that Instapot. Is it an Instapot or an Instant Pot? If is it worth the hype? Is it worth the money? We'll be talking about that. And then also we'll be concluding the Enneagram. I know some of you are happy out there with that with the Enneagram Type 9. Thanks for joining us. Continue the selfie conversation with us on Instagram at, at selfie podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash selfie podcast. 
You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. A huge thanks to Shepherd Audio for our intro music. Take care. 